We are Spry, a group of remote digital marketers who want you to succeed beyond your wildest dreams. Our curiosity drives us to constant learning, and that learning leads to constant teaching. So come along with us on the Spry Space podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and do it all wherever we want. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spry Space podcast. Today is a wonderful day. It's always a wonderful day when I have Miss Amber here with me. Thanks. How are you doing today, Amber? Well, right now I'm blushing a little bit. I like to do that to you. I can actually see it in your face a little bit. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You're too kind. So this month, all month long, we've been talking about the social dilemma. Um, This is our third week of content on the social dilemma. We have talked about kind of the... um, the original origins of the development of social media. We've talked about what social media managers can do about it. We've talked about our kind of our response as a team to the social dilemma. And today we're going to talk specifically about as individuals, you know, what, what can we do about the social dilemma and, and is it really all that bad? So let's talk about it a little bit. How was watching the social dilemma for you the first time that you went through and watched it? So for me, it was a little bit tricky because because I kind of had a feeling on some things that they were going to say just because we would see I was seeing people on my own social media pages saying watch the social dilemma and then kind of watching that conversation unfold. People using the words, at least from what I saw, was like, you know, disturbing, really scary, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm kind of like, I, I was intrigued, though, right? Because we have a pretty good grasp on how social media works and how um, targeting metrics work, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's what we do for a living. So I was kind of like, I wonder if they're going to spill the beans on something that I don't know, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued by it. I was hesitant. And then once I finally watched it, I was just kind of conflicted because the job that I have here at Spry is it could not be more perfect for Uh, my lifestyle, being a mom and um, wanting to work from home. We live kind of far out in the boonies and I love it out here, Mm -hmm. but most people who live where we live have to commute um, if they have a good job. Um, Not everybody, but a lot of people have to commute to get to work. Um, And so this this fits my lifestyle, but it also fits my personality, right? I get to be creative every day. Uh, One of my favorite things to do just in life is to solve problems for people or to help people solve problems. And I get to do that every single day when I'm building strategy and somebody says, I really want to get more people to sign up for my free trial of my product. And I say, okay, here's how we do that. Exactly. I love that. I thrive on that. So watching that, I was conflicted because I was like, ew, gross. Mm-hmm. And and also, how do I frame this now from now on with right. my clients when everything that the social dilemma is talking about, about using the data that they're collecting from you in so many different ways, I use that when I'm talking to a client, I'm like, look what we can do. This is amazing. I can target somebody who lives very specifically to what you're looking for, right. who has these very specific interests. This is the coolest thing. And now are they going to think that's cool? Or are they going to think that's creepy? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. That's kind of how I felt. How did you feel when you watched it? I was also 
interested in whether or not I would learn anything that was really new, you know, and we have always had such a, a big emphasis on learning ourselves. And so really none of it was very new. The only thing that felt kind of new and maybe fresh to me is the overall divisiveness of um, potentially larger organizations, countries, etc., um, putting together strategies that would slowly alter people's um, opinions and behaviors. Though That was probably the piece that I had the least amount of knowledge in and gained the most knowledge from. And so, you know, that still feels to me like a problem that is very difficult for me to be impactful on or for Spry to be impactful on. Um, but what I loved about it is that it's opening up this larger conversation with individuals who use social media. And it's a conversation that we at Spry have actually been working on having for quite a long time. Yeah. Yep. It sure is. I think, um, and I want to be careful around this topic, but I think it's really important to talk about. Um, I think a huge, and I've been saying this for months when we're in the middle of this election cycle of how um, there's this turmoil on social media that I remember when I first started voting, I could have a good conversation with someone who thought differently than I did and understand where they were coming from. Um, and maybe we just had different ideas on how to get there. Uh, but ultimately, we wanted people to be free and we wanted people to be happy. and We wanted people to have um a good opportunity to make a good life for themselves, right? So we just maybe had different ways to get there, but ultimately human beings' goals, Americans' goals were the same. Nowadays, you cannot talk to anybody. You cannot mention your your um, preference on what way you want to vote without being attacked by somebody else. And it makes me sick. And I will say this to you. It's important for people to understand you have been conditioned to feel so hostile against someone else. Half of, or probably more than half of the things that you read about either candidate or any candidates online is, is not true. And you don't have time to vet that stuff. But every time you comment on it, every time you even slow down to read that content, anytime you um, even like or, or anything, any way you're engaging with that specific content, Facebook is registering that and then feeding you more of that. Yes, because so, it doesn't even understand if the content that you're looking at, let's say that you don't actually like it. Maybe you really don't like it. Like maybe it caused a really negative reaction within you. But because you spent the time to actually read it and engage with it or click on it in any way, the algorithm doesn't have a human conscience. Its job is to provide you more content that you're likely to engage with. Right. Um, so I hope that's something people take out of this and really understand that the every micro choice that you make on social media is impacting your algorithm, which impacts your content that is served to you. I hope everybody could understand that. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I hope that, yeah, the more you see of one certain thing, the more you believe it, the more that it en enacts and provokes certain reactions and emotions from you. Um, and so I just wrapping up, I don't I don't want to make this about politics because that's not it. I my the point I'm trying to make is that human behavior towards other humans is being changed because you are fed the same 
kind of content over and over. And if you are engaging in heated battles on Facebook a lot, then that's all you're seeing is that heated stuff and that negative stuff. And eventually that will wear on somebody's soul, right? It's just, and that's kind of where I'm feeling with my own social media is, is it's hard and heavy right now because uh, so many people are mad at other people. And I'm like, Facebook made you mad at them. <laughs> and you know, you and I only are from, you know, this generation of adults right now that have children and whatnot. I talked to my younger brother um, and his girlfriend and some of my other um, friends who are in a younger generation and on TikTok and that kind of thing. It's actually kind of brutal the way that people are treating each other there too. They're creating content that basically is like, if you think differently than me, you can block me now. Like on, yeah. on Snapchat, on TikTok, they are just creating these huge divisions there as well. It makes me sick. I am seeing that even on Facebook, which is the platform that I'm probably on the most. Mm -hmm. And that it breaks my heart. It almost brings me to tears daily when I see people commenting back and forth. And I'm like, you have been conditioned to feel that way, not even to think that way. It might already be your thought process, but you have been conditioned to feel that that way. And how long can we harbor this hostility and hate and expect good things to come out of it? We can't. We have to move on. And how long can we allow platforms um, to make money off of our negative emotions? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's what hap what's happening is social media platforms are making a profit out of uh, enraging us. <laughs> yeah. So, and that brings us to the very good point that the social dilemma mentions. And, but we have said it for years at Sprite. I want to say it was Rachel that said it. I mean, a couple years ago, she said, listen, if you aren't paying for it, you are the product. Yes. Right. And that's exactly what social media is. It is a free platform or a free service for you to use to connect with your friends and family and they are making money off of that connection. There's no way around it. So let's jump into some ways that we can kind of take back the control and, and make sure that social media doesn't become this thing. Because here's the deal. I don't believe they're doing it on purpose. I honestly believe they've just created these algorithms. To create a profit. To create a profit. Exactly. Social media, the the people who own these platforms, the way they make money is by, you know, selling businesses ads, right? I can buy an ad from them. Well, the only way that I'm going to buy an ad as a business owner is if I know that that ad is successful. So Facebook, social media, all social media platforms say, okay, well, I can really dial in that ad so you spend less money and get it to a more targeted audience. And we as business owners love that, right? Absolutely. We love that. However, as consumers... It's, it starts to be a little bit negative when that same algorithm is working against us by the things that we just talked about, you know, feeding us the same things over and over and over again until it changes our behaviors and our emotions. So you talked about some of the digital habits maybe we could create. Okay, so let's get into that a little bit. This, this is not a new topic for us at Spry. Like I mentioned earlier, we have actually been in schools for the last year, before schools were closed down this year, um, teaching elementary school kids about these digital habits because we knew that we probably couldn't change the behaviors of adults yet. So yeah. we figured we could try starting with the, the youth, right? Yeah. 
That's um, exactly right. So let's talk about a couple of our favorite digital habits that uh, were mentioned in the documentary and that we kind of practice in our own lives or, or dabble with in our own lives, too. Do you have a favorite you want to start with? Um, I think that I, I kind of feel like my favorite is probably the same as your favorite. And I think that the best habit that we could get into that none of us have, let's be honest, it's one of the hardest ones to break is to leave that phone in another room charging at night um, so that you're not falling asleep to that stuff, especially if it's not positive stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go to bed with that stuff on your heart. Um, So that's just kind of we the the program that we we came up with and that we created here at Spry is called Guidelines for a Healthy Digital Life. And mind you, we're teach we're talking to teenagers, but how many times Lacey and I have gone, yeah, we should probably take our own advice. Yeah, that's <laughs> when I started doing it. I want to say it was like last January when we were presenting at a school and I was saying out loud, put your phone in another room at night and how important that is. And I'm like, I'm saying it and I know that I'm not doing it. And so I was like, I have to fix this. Like in my integrity, I have to fix this. And so it's probably been at least six months for me that I have not had my phone in my room at night. And I cannot I cannot say loudly enough how important that behavior is to me. So I haven't quite made that jump, but I have been listening to a book. And so I mm. li- put the, the book on the audio and fall asleep with the story rather than being on my phone. Um but I still kind of, I can't help but wonder if having radio waves that close to your head is a, a very healthy thing for us. But um, nonetheless, that's a really good one. Do you have any that you like or did I totally steal your favorite one? Well, I would say that is my favorite, but I can I can tout that last week I did another new one, a big one in my opinion, which came really inspired from The Social Dilemma. Um is turning off all of my notifications, okay? So that means I turned off my Facebook notifications. I turned off my Instagram notifications, my Slack notifications, and my Gmail notifications, okay? Um, And that felt like a big, scary deal to do. Um, I still feel kind of scared of it, (laughs) but I can say that what I've experienced so far in the last week is a huge freedom from this constant attention grabber. Um, And I feel like I'm still accomplishing everything I need to accomplish. Like when I'm sitting down and actually on my computer or on my phone to do intentional presence management, I'm managing, I'm not missing anything. Does that make sense? I'm not, I'm not um, leaving any comment un unanswered or anything. Um, so ask me in another month how I'm doing with that. We'll see. I, I will. I'd love to follow up with you. So those are kind of good. The other things that we go through, I mean, mind you, these are teenagers. We talk about the, the dangers that are online and that kind of thing, which that's a, maybe a different topic. Um, mm-hmm. but those are, those are just good digital habits to be in. Um, but let's have a conversation about a few things that we think people can do to actually take back control, right? That's a way to control uh, you're keeping control of your own behaviors by, um, you know, making those rules for yourself, if you will. But how can we train 
the algorithm. Let's talk about some ways we can do that. So we're going to tell the algorithm that we're the boss. Okay. So a really good knowledge of the of the truth that anything that you do is trackable and adds to your algorithm. If everybody can understand that, that means that you're going to choose to actually engage with the content that you want to see more often. Okay. So you see something from a friend, you see someone something from a brand you like. The strongest things you can do is comment and share, you know, a post click, a reaction, those are trackable at a certain level. And then it goes further to say, you know, a share, a comment is like the next level of engagement. And so if you do that next level of engagement with content that you want to see more often, that's you intentionally making an impact on your algorithm. So again, you're just telling the algorithm, this is what I want to see by doing that, right? Yes, exactly. Um, if I have come up with a list here of ways that you can make it so the algorithm has less information on you. Ooh, let's do it. Mind you, that means that your content might be less tailored for you. So you True. might get random stuff sometimes. So it's kind of like what's more important to you, mm -hmm. um, I guess. Some people really like privacy. Some people might like that these fun advertisements come up that are actually relevant to their life. Uh, so first, I think th there's a couple ways that you can um, quick fixes that actually will la like lessen your time on the platforms. And okay. by lessening your time on the platforms, you're automatically making a huge impact on how much information that they can can gather from you, right? Agreed. So the first um, suggestion, and I think that this is probably the most impactful, I see a lot of people doing this um, just to be with their families more, is to delete the apps from your phones. So make it harder to check the platform for new notifications. Um, so you can either check it from an, uh, an iPad or a laptop, or you can put in the address in your Safari or whatever your operating system is on your phone. But I highly suggest taking the apps off your phone, make it harder for yourself, kind of just break that habit of being on there all the time, right? Mm. I'll pick up my phone to do something else intentionally. Somebody says, hey, I need this and I'll pick up my phone to get it and uh, my brain hits that Facebook button instantly. My, every time I have, I have a confession, every time I open a new tab on Google Chrome, I instinctually type the letter F first. Like without even trying, no matter what I'm, very often I'm hitting that F button and clicking enter and I'm on Facebook before I even meant to be. Yeah. We are programmed. <laughs> and I mean, part of that is our jobs, right? Mm -hmm. We do this for a living. So it's like, it's just such a part of who we are. Um, so another um, tip, I guess, to limiting your time on it is to literally limit your time on it. Set a limit and a day limit on how much you'll spend on the platform and, be, and just be religious about it. Um, so this will allow you to keep in touch with loved ones and people that you want to stay in touch with, but it will also uh, limit your time, thus limiting the amount of information that the platforms have about you. This is something I keep seeing a lot of times. People are like, I watch The Social Dilemma and I'm out. I'm mm -hmm. out of here. But then there are always comments like, I'll never see you. I'll never know what you're up to, you know, and yeah. I'm ask my mother-in-law. She lives in Texas. Ask her the last time I sent pictures of our kids. Like I, I don't, like I'm in the terrible mail at or it. email. Yeah. Yeah. Any of that. I am terrible at it. And I feel awful because you know, she's, but 
but Facebook allows her to have that connection, right? So I don't love the idea of getting rid of it altogether. I think that Facebook and, and Instagram, these, these platforms have good value. It's just about being the boss of them, right? And not letting, oh, absolutely. Not letting them be the boss of you. I like to say just on that same vein before you go on to the next point is I like to say being able to use them as a tool instead of them using you as a tool, right? So putting some of these boundaries in place allows the platforms to be a tool that we can pick up and put down as we'd like, as opposed to a, um, I'm thinking of like a barnacle that lives uh, on us. (laughs) (laughs) It's no longer become symbiotic. It's taking over. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So your advice is to quit being a tool. Yeah, that's that can be the title of our <laughs> program. Here. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So, um, and another thing is that oftentimes um, when we're engaging with content, we will like or love something that we like or love. But when something makes us mad, I think we're more liable to actually comment on it. Right. Like you spend more time ruminating on the piece of content. You've got to justify it. Right. So um, with that in mind, I say cut your friends list down like a savage. Go through your friends, have less acquaintances on there on your list and have more people who you really love and care about and who you actually want to make sure that are in your life, right? So cutting down your friends list will cut down your newsfeed so that your newsfeed is full of more meaningful content. It also might help you go, ooh, I don't agree with what Aunt Jan is saying right there, but I really love her, so I'm going to keep going, right? Oh, Aunt Jan, yeah. I got a couple of those. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So uh, the next one is do not, no matter how tempting it is, post or repost or engage with content that's negative in nature, whether that's political or otherwise. If it is negative in nature, don't do it. Or if your response is negative in nature, just don't do it. I have, I cannot tell you how many times though that I have typed something up because I'm just fuming about something. Yes. And I I don't actually post it. Facebook is still recognizing that I'm engaging with that. So yes, the next step will be to not all to not do that at all. But um, I just don't post and then allow someone else to comment back. And then I feel like I have to justify myself. It goes on and on and on. So I it's been so helpful to just stop commenting when I have a negative reaction. Keep going. Yes, I think about how many conversations per day are happening on social media that are these because I see them between my friends and family. I see these like, you know, 20 comment long threads of people trying to out logic each other. And I'm like, for what? For what? That's exactly it. If you really look at those things, oftentimes they have the same end goal in mind. But they're just battling about who's right and wrong. Yes. Um, So it's frustrating. That stuff is hard. It's really hard. So the next tip that I have for you is to go through um, your likes and follows. So unlike and unfollow businesses that you're not actually a fan of, how many times have you... um, helped a friend out by liking a page so that they could be entered to win a free Ferrari (laughs) or or whatever (laughs) it might have been. Especially those things used to be a really popular way of marketing and getting your your like and follow count up, right? It's you see them less often now, but that just means that that business has you've been liking and following it for so long. They're not even showing up in your newsfeed because Facebook will make them pay to do that. 
but Facebook is acknowledging that you like or follow that business. And so therefore we'll follow, we'll share stuff that is like that business with you in your newsfeed. Yes, so, it comes, it, it becomes one of your interests. Right. Right. And so when we're coming up with, when we're doing an ad for a client and we're saying, okay, we want them to be interested in XYZ. Well, if you've liked a page that has those topics, that counts as an interest, right? So you want to be accurate about what your interests are. Exactly. So with that being said, (laughs) go through that list, right? (laughs) I think that's so important. I mean, both of those two last points about, um, well, it was the the one before, but um, savagely cutting out friends that you aren't really friends with and cutting out businesses that you don't really want to follow. I mean, this is a good social media habit and it's also kind of a good life habit, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. like we only have so much time during a day. And if we can really be selective about what we're consuming, it's going to be better for us. It's always going to be better for us than continuing to scroll and ingest content that we don't care about or we don't like. Yeah, if you feel like every time uh, Joe Smith comments, you feel like bashing your head against a wall, maybe <laughs> maybe just unfriend Joe Smith. If Joe Smith is also your uncle, maybe unfollow him at least. <laughs> <laughs> Snooze True. him for 30 days and see if it gets better. Um, okay, so then this one is actually one that was someone else's tip. This is not my tip, but I thought it was a good one. So don't watch videos on the app. So if you click on an, a video that is interesting to you, it will like keep feeding you videos, right? And the next thing you know, you're on a video watching. My kids do this on YouTube too. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'll be like, what is that? Yeah, this was one of the biggest points we talked about with the youth when we went to the elementary schools because they're so into watching YouTube videos and stuff. Is that, you know, when you just let the next video play and the next video play and the next video play, you are going down this rabbit hole that you did not intend to go down no and you're and you're telling facebook or what i facebook seems to be the most common one that where you'll start a video and then it'll feed you a whole and i would i would put youtube in that same category youtube is the same is telling that platform that you accept what they are feeding you as something that you are in fact interested in and so it is just collecting that information going ha we do know her or him we do know him this is they like this part from the social dilemma, there there was the guy who wrote the code for that YouTube algorithm of of getting you to watch the next video that is like the one that you watch. Um, he said that after leaving YouTube, he created a code that he uses to block the algorithm from working. So the same algorithm that he created in order to recommend new videos, he created a code on his own devices to block so that it wouldn't do it to him. Can we get that code? I mean, <laughs> right? I'll pay you for that code. How much is it? Oh my goodness. I know has dollar amount. Everything does. And right? I mean, as a parent too, I would love to have that that kind of code and protection put on any of the devices that my children are watching videos on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, my daughter will be watching and the next thing you know, I hear like swearing or something and I'm like, whoa, what is that? Because I said the one was okay, but the next thing you know, we're into something completely different. Um, Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. So that's just... Don't keep watching the videos that they're automatically feeding you. They don't know you. You're the boss. 
not them. Yes, it's just so mindless. It's just so mindless to just to just fall into that hole. So um, I have a blog on this actually about associating your phone. Well, it's a topic within a blog, but associating your phone number that you have on Facebook with, say, your um, grocery store rewards card or your Gap card or or all those little rewards cards that they're like, hey, do you want to sign up for the rewards card and earn points? And you say yes. And you've never once used those points, not in the hundred years that you've been shopping there. I don't I don't sign up for them anymore. It's that's the OG way of collecting data, right? It is. You're right. <laughs> Rewards cards. You get one point for every $3,000 you spend and you'll never earn anything in your life. But and, and each of those accounts, they just they build on each other, right? And they build this network of data that shows your buying profile. So if you don't want all that data shared, you are in control of whether or not you have accounts that utilize your phone number or your email address that matches Facebook. Exactly. They're putting that together. So that's something that maybe the average person isn't really understanding. They're, if you use your email address or telephone number at Big Five, then Facebook is actually gathering that information and Big Five is able to then refeed you ads, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And not even big five. I mean, then it shows you what things, what type of things right. you're interested in. Right. And then other brands that know that that's part of your buyer profile. Yeah, I keep telling this story, but I think it's the best way for people to relate. I've told it a few times here. But I went to big five and I bought a sleeping bag one time. And when I got home later that evening, I had ads from not only Big Five, but other companies asking, are you going camping soon? Here's here's a, a tent for sale. And it was things that would go with my sleeping bag. And I was just like, oh my word. And I, I did the research because I'm like, how does it know this? It could be a geo locator, right? It could know that I went to Big Five, but there's two things. It was in a mall, mm-hmm. so it was lots of businesses there. And, and the second thing, it was suggesting things that would go with my sleeping bag. So it was just like... So it knew that you'd already purchased your sleeping bag. Right. Maybe. Rather, rather than a soccer ball or something mm-hmm. else, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't associate your email or your phone number with, uh, with your Facebook page. It'll link the big box office rewards cards to your Facebook and you'll start. You might like those ads, right? Because they are relevant to your life. <laughs> so those ads, it might be okay. It's just about what's important to you. But if you don't want them to have a bunch of data on you and that's what the, your ultimate goal is, that's one way that you can kind of stay in control. So Amber, I'm really glad that you chose to make this content in this direction it's less of like a woe is us um you know look what social media has done to us and it's more of a okay great now we understand more collectively what's happening on this platform here's how you can be empowered to actually use this as a tool to actually take some of that power back I know when I was watching, some of the times I felt the most um, friction or tension was when um, the people on The Social Dilemma were saying, who's going to win? You know, if you've got all these engineers faced at you and you're the only one looking at your phone and and I just I couldn't help but feel like we will. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I know what they were trying to say in that, but honestly, we're a very smart group of of human beings on this planet. And I think with proper understanding, we will make proper adjustments in order to use tools in a way that isn't going to harm us as a people. I think it's also important 
which I could be wrong on this, but I'm going to throw it out there because I don't think that these giant platforms are these social media platforms are intentionally changing our behaviors or are intentionally they're just trying to make money and there are some unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. And so if we can say, okay, I understand what you're doing and here is what I'm willing to give you and here is what I'm not willing to give you and then make steps to be in control of it. I don't think they mind that that at all. And, And if it makes you feel better, then let's do that. You know, that's always the goal, right? I agree. I I don't think that any of the platforms themselves have a negative intention. I think there are advertisers that might have negative intention that are using the platform, but that's okay because we can create regulations. We can create, um, you know, ad requirements. We can change things in order to protect people um, if we as the people ask for that, right? And demand. Yeah, I that. like the word nefarious. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a good one, right? <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk with Adrian about what we as the people can do, like some of the actual legislation that has been proposed to adjust the platforms and the way that the platforms work that can be better for for the entirety of people. Um, but before that, is there anything else on this topic, Amber, that you want to make sure that we No, cover? I think that's it. I think that um, I think that it's just important that we advocate for ourselves just in life. So I encourage people to watch The Social Dilemma um, and then maybe come back and re-listen to this podcast so that you can feel a little bit more in charge because I don't think that you'll feel great after watching it. I think you'll feel a little bit violated. <laughs> I think so, too. And that's okay. Anytime that we learn things that we didn't know, we're going to feel that sense of of betrayal, you know. Um, But the truth is always that the more we learn, the more power we can have. And so I I hope that people take away from this exactly what you what you intended of trying to give people back some of their power. Absolutely. So at the end of every Spry Space podcast episode, we like to talk about where we've been working, right? As an as an all remote team here at Spry, sometimes we're working in really interesting places. So Miss Amber, do you have anywhere interesting lately that you've been working? So as per usual, I didn't get everything that I needed done during the day. And so um, I knew I had like, a, as per usual, <laughs> I had a couple things. And I, and I try to get it done, especially for the weekend. I like to just log out of work mode on the weekends. It's hard sometimes to do it in the evenings, but the weekends, I really try to protect those. Um, but it is October. And as such, my little brother owns a a pumpkin patch and on friday and saturday nights they put on a haunted forest which is cool yeah like three quarter of a mile trail through the woods um that is completely haunted it is so fun and i am one of the actors in there so i get to scare people on friday and saturday nights in october um and then and they're let in on a minute and a half intervals and sometimes people will um there's one spot that's a little slow going. I don't want to say anything just in case people want to yeah, your listeners want to go check will it out. Yeah, not exactly. be surprised. Um, <laughs> but sometimes groups will get bunched up, so we'll have you know three or four minutes between groups of people. And I found myself just finishing up a couple tasks Friday night so that I could have the rest of the weekend. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this for my podcast when Lacey asks, because who gets to work in a haunted forest? That's definitely interesting. I think I heard you say earlier today, not on the podcast, that one of the lines you get to say is like, you're you're like an 
you get to say welcome to the <laughs> yeah. carnival, you know? And I just was thinking to myself, if we have that on video, that would be a really nice post on Facebook this week for like, you know, have you watched The Social Dilemma yet? Welcome <laughs> yeah, to the carnival. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. I think my dad would flip a lid if I leaked that kind of stuff. He's really protective of like our how how active is he on Facebook? No, my little brother is very active on Facebook. Who is oh. t- actually the owner of it? But my dad and him are kind of partners, I guess. And I had taken. I thought it would be so cool. I walked through the forest before the season, so it was fully decorated, but no actors. It was daytime. And Mm -hmm. I did the time lapse. So it's like super fast, but you get glimpses of Halloween. And uh, my dad would not let me put it on social media. And I was like, yeah, come on, this is what I do. Well, dad always knows best. But I will definitely share that video with you after the season. (laughs) All right. At least I'll get to see it. All right, Amber. Well, thank you so much. As always, I love having you on and you always have such good insight to share. So I'm very appreciative of that. I'm grateful for anybody who came to listen and we hope that you feel just a sense of empowerment in your ability to use social media as a tool um, and just stop being a tool. (laughs) Stop being a tool. Be (laughs) empowered. I love it. Yes. All right. As always, we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and we hope you keep learning. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.